Welcome to the Finishing Well podcast, where we encourage seasoned believers to find meaningful ways to impact their world for the kingdom of God. Whether you're 65 and up or not quite there yet, everyone can begin preparing to finish well. Now, here's your host, Randy Hess, with the founder of Finishing Well Ministries, Hal Habecker. Greetings. I'm glad you're here with us for our Finishing Well podcast today. I'm Hal Habecker. Uh, the founder and president of Finishing Well Ministries, and I usually do this with my sidekick, Randy Hess, but he's not available today, so you're going to hear the voice of Seth Muse, who is really our engineer. He has done this with us a time or two before. So welcome, Seth, to our podcast today, and I look forward to you interacting with me and giving us feedback. Thanks, Al. I appreciate it. You've been a fresh breath of air to me. And we've been friends. You were on our church staff years ago when I was a pastor, and you were our youth guy. And uh, it's just really fun to interact with you every uh, week when we do this. Yeah, you too. It's been a while. We've we've known each other for a while now. It's funny. It's funny. Did you ever, did you ever think that you and I would be doing this together? <laughs> I never did. Which is one <laughs> of the funnest things about aging. Yeah, I think God has as many surprises for us at the end of our lives or in the last quarter, you might say, as he ever did in the first quarter or the mm-hmm. second quarter or the third quarter, to use those expressions. Absolutely. And one of the fun things I love about following Jesus is that there's something new, and he's constantly weaving our lives together in a way that we never could have imagined. And now I get the chance to look back at that, and you get a chance to see it as well. Make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to be able to kind of, because I know you and I know your heart and know what you're about. And then, you know, we work with, you know, you left the the church, stepped down and I moved on as well. And then to come back together and, and do this together is really fun. It's, it's helpful for me as well. And all of that happened through Randy in a sense as well, yeah. because yeah, he, God uses him and all of us in ways that we can never imagine. So Let's keep following Jesus, and and especially in today's discussion. Sound good? Absolutely. Okay, in this podcast, Seth, I want to talk about the importance of finishing well. Uh, You know, the scriptures make a big deal about this, and I will, I mean, I could go to Psalm 90, verse 12, uh, teach us to number our days so that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, or we could go to the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8, he says, I have fought the good fight, I have completed the course, and I have kept the faith. And in the future, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will reward not only to me, but all of those who love his appearing. There is a special emphasis on endurance, persevering to the end through hardships or whatever they may be. Uh, in terms of leaving a record of faithfulness for generations coming behind and for facing Jesus Christ ourselves at the end of our life. So I want to pursue that for a little bit through a particular angle. Okay. Uh, Robert Clinton, he's a leadership professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, has written some good stuff on finishing well. And one of his books he cites a couple criteria of why people don't finish well, particularly why leaders don't finish well. And I would count myself as a leader. And Seth, you're a leader, you know, in your ministry today and how you serve churches and help them. Uh, But I'm particularly concerned with how leaders finish 
whether they finish well or whether they don't finish well and what that means. So uh, let me take a stab at sharing some ideas that Clinton writes about and just let's reflect on them for a minute. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's go. And by the way, he has these conclusions from his own studies and from first person stories and leaders who he has interviewed and who have evaluated themselves. So mm-hmm. let's go. Here's number one. Leaders who do not finish well lose their learning posture. Now, it's interesting to me. The first element of our essentials for finishing well is growing. That's a big one. We, we never stop growing. And, uh, you know, these essentials for me, the six essentials, they all come out of my life experience and understanding the scriptures. And it seems to me that the first thing that any disciple of Christ has to nail down is I want to learn to be like Jesus. Mm -hmm. So Clinton would say, uh, Robert Clinton, leaders who don't finish well, stop their learning posture of growing. They stop listening. They stop growing. And I just think that's so important. You know, older people need to stay learning, stay in the learning curve every day of their lives. To the very end, whatever season they're in, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to be what Jesus wants me to be, both for myself, for my family, for the next generation. Will we continue to grow? And I don't want to stop. Leaders are learners. We know that, that if you're going to continue to be leaders, I think for everyone who's listening might go, well, I'm not a leader. Well, you're a leader of somebody. You know, you've got family, you've got young people in your life, you've got kids, you've got friends, or you work, you volunteer at your church or whatever you're doing. You're influencing someone. Leadership is a big influence, is a big part of leadership. So if you're going to be influencing someone, which we all are, it's important for us to stay up because let's be honest, the world's changing. Everything changes very fast, uh, faster probably than it ever has in, in the history of the world. It's changing faster now. And it's just important that if you're going to be influencing the world and you're leaving this legacy behind, then uh, you need to kind of know what you're you're leaving behind. You kind of need to know how you're affecting the world after you you move on. And uh, I think that's really important, you know, for me as you know, I'm 43, but I'm I'm thinking about that too. What is next for my kids? And you know, we kind of uh, as as you get older, and I've you know, even as I've gotten older, you know, I get this kind of sense that I've kind of I'm kind of done with stuff. You know, I figured that out already. I don't need to think about that anymore. Not necessarily true. My kids remind me every day of how much I don't know. And so I think there's, uh, there's always room for improvement there that if we lose that, we kind of lose, I think we kind of lose our love for the world, uh, for the, and the people in it. You know, I think we kind of lose our, our empathy and our compassion a little bit when we stop learning about it, the, the things around us. Boy, you're so right. And I love your, uh, input here on, you know, while Clinton talks about leaders, pastors, leaders of organizations. Yeah. All of us are influencers. And I I think about these things, which he'll say, I mean, it's not only true for leaders, it's true for everybody, men and women, whatever our ages, whatever we do, are we learners? And do we want to continue to excel in gaining God's perspective in a deeper way across the board? We don't want to stop. Uh, The second one, these are fascinating to me. The attractiveness of their character wanes. How's that work? 
Well, let me think of it this way. When you're young and enthusiastic, people are drawn to your character and your enthusiasm for the topic or for what you're doing. But as you age, you know, and you lose the learning curve, there is something of your character that begins to wane. You're not as attractive anymore. You're not as enthusiastic about the causes. And so your character becomes a little bit distant from what you've been known as, you know, throughout your life. Is this, uh, is this kind of like you become grumpy? Well, it, it can lead to that. <laughs> uh, I, I, or I feel just, like I'm getting there already. Yeah, not only grumpy, but you just, <laughs> your character begins to fade into the woodwork, I might mm, say. Okay. So let me give you a great example. Jim Houston from uh, founder of Regent College in Vancouver is now 99, going on his century birthday. He continues to write from his bedroom. He's in an assisted living facility in Vancouver, but he writes, you know, his character shines through in everything he's doing today. I just think that's amazing. And you want that to happen. I mean, I don't want to become grumpy. I don't want to become uh, less of an influence. Uh, I may not be as active, but my character shines through in everything that I am. That's an important thing, I think. I agree. Uh, The third one, these all seem to flow. They stop living by their convictions. (laughs) I I think about that. There's one that just I want to isolate on just for a second. I mean, my conviction is that Jesus calls us to make disciples. Go, therefore, or as you're going, Matthew 28, 19, make disciples of all nations. So that's a deep conviction I have. I want to continue to make disciples. But as I age and my energy may lower or my character wanes or I lose my learning posture, you know, I, it's not as important to me to make disciples. I want to say, well, let somebody else make them. Yeah, you get tired. Yeah. Or like the 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 social social group of our world and, and talks about Christians, people who are done. I am done with the church. Somebody else can take over. I still kind of believe what I believe fundamentally, but in terms of actions and being involved, I don't want to be involved. So you lose your convictions. You lose your conviction about the church. You lose your conviction about being involved, being a volunteer, using your gifts. Yeah. You know, you just lose your convictions and you don't finish well. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's true. It's it's uh it, for me, it you know, obviously I'm not where many of your listeners are in in my uh stage of life. But uh I, I definitely feel that you get exhausted saying the same things over and over, doing the same things over and over with people and going to the same places and having the same process. And you're like, well, I've done this before, and you kind of just want something new, or you just get tired of it, or it becomes mundane or old hat, and it just becomes you know, your convictions can slip, you know, yeah. they just kind of slip out of the out of your forefront and you end up just kind of watching TV or It's not that you don't believe in God. It's not that you don't believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he was the propitiation for our sins, et cetera, et cetera. But it does mean you lose a number of your convictions about being involved and being aware, and you just kind of slip into the woodwork. Yeah, it's the it was the Church of Ephesus in Revelation, right? They lost their first love. Is that the one? Yes, it is. They lost their first love. That's it. Great insight. Kind of lose your first love a little bit with your convictions and things you know you're called to. 
Uh, the fourth one he isolates is they fail to leave behind ultimate contributions. Now, I think about that. I work, I mean, my life is there. I'm working with people who are my age, older than their 80s, 90s, people on the other side of 100. You know, you ask the question, what is the best contribution I can leave if I'm 80, if I'm 90, if I'm a centenarian? What is it that God wants me to be and do? What is the best work I can leave for him, for myself, for others? Yeah. For 2 Timothy 4, where Paul says, complete the course, what's the best thing you can do? There are things like that. And I think that's our work as aging people. What is the best work that God has for us in our aging years? So help me God, given my health, given my mind, given my possibilities, given my gifts. I don't ever want to stop thinking about what it is, the work that God has entrusted me to do. And in that sense, I think Clinton says people fail to wrestle with that, and they don't think about the ultimate contributions that they can give in their latter years. Yeah, it's 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 legacy, helping the next generation take over and tend the garden well, and and that is uh, that's the legacy we leave behind, you know. And there's there's people in you know both of our lives that have gone on that still have impact on us every day, whether it's not just people that wrote books, but things that people said to us that we remember and live by, you know, that that's important. That's part of our, that's part of who we are as well. The fifth one, they stop walking in an awareness of their influence and destiny. You know, I have a whole list of mentors in my life, and I will say for every one of those people on my list, all of them are in heaven, except for one that I have in my list. But they have all left a lasting impact in my life, and I believe they knew that God was using them to the very end. You know, I preached in our own church this past Sunday, and before I preached, there was a gentleman, he's almost 90, who I deeply admire. And he was on his walker, and he comes up to me, and he says, how you have no idea how much you encourage me. And I looked back at him and I said, Maurice, you have no idea how much your encouragement means to me. You are an incredible encourager and example. And to live every day knowing that God wants to use you in your latter and last season in life, whether you're a Jim Houston or a Hal Hobbecker or whoever you are, doesn't matter what your role is. Be aware that people are watching you and your example to them is a contributing factor to their success. I love that. Absolutely. Last one, uh, leaders who finish poorly lose their once vibrant relationship with God. How's that work? How's that happen? It, is that I don't know. How does that happen? And, and why would you give up the tenacity and the great joy, the deep joy of walking with Jesus every day of your life? Why would you spend more time in front of a television than walking intimately with Jesus every day, reading, growing, having conversations with other people that keep you growing, et cetera, et cetera? I don't understand that, but they do. Mm -hmm. yep. You know, like a, there's another deal, uh, another study has nothing to do with this study, but why do marriages fail in latter years? Well, one of the reasons they fail at any time is because they lose their their vibrancy with Jesus. 
you know, following him is not that important in my marriage. Yeah. I'm preaching this Sunday on David and Bathsheba, and I don't know where David's head was when he had that experience. He certainly wasn't energized by his relationship with Jesus Christ. He was energized by something less than that. And I think it's important. I agree. I, I, that story is always crazy to me. What, what was David thinking? I mean, he, he, he was bored. That's what, you, that's what happens when you get bored. You kind of stop doing what you're supposed to be doing. You end up doing stuff you're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just bad. Well, I like Clinton's reasons for why people don't finish well. I've thought about this. I want to add just a few quickly on my own. Uh, this is true for me. We give up gaining insight, correction, and encouragement from close peers and friends. We stop seeking their input and wisdom. You know, I would say the thing that has characterized my life is always being part of a small group of men and couples who encourage me, encourage Vicki, and give us insight into our lives. At a certain point, you ask yourself, do I want anybody else's input in my life? And if you don't, you're not going to finish well because others play a huge role in your encouragement and seeing things that you may stumble on without their insight. So I don't think you ever want to give that up. Yeah. And let's be honest, many of us don't want input. We really don't. We're comfortable where we are. We like how we are. We like us. If other people don't like us, tough. That's their problem. You know, <laughs> it's like that start, that's attitude sometimes, but it's so valuable having people around you that don't think like you, don't see the world quite like you, that can speak into your life and have the permission to, to speak to you like that. And I think that's where it is, is that many don't speak because they don't have permission. And it, it would it's incumbent upon us to remember to give permission. You're exactly right, Seth. Are we the kind of finishers who give permission to other people to continue to encourage us to speak into our life and even rebuke us when it's appropriate? It's mm -hmm. tough. Uh, a second one I think is uh, put down ministry and investing in others is always challenging. Always. I mean, it just takes time. It can be messy. Got to go out of your schedule to do it. And as we age, we may lose energy or whatever. Or as Clinton said, we may lose the vision for what it is. And we begin to get weary. And then we say, it's the job of others to take it over. And I want to say, no, it's not. We need to finish to the end as best we can with every energy we have. We cannot back off. Yeah. And your role may, may change, but your, your involvement doesn't. Yes, absolutely. That's so important. Uh, you know, I'm not a senior pastor anymore. I, I lead this organization, but that will change at some point. I mean, everything changes. Yeah. But will I lose my enthusiasm for serving Jesus and reaching out to others? Uh, a final one that I'd have, and you and I would have fun. This could be a podcast all on its own. The loss of mentors. Yeah. You know, we don't finish well because we lose mentors. Like, for example, all my mentors have died. I mean, that there have been strategic people God has placed in my life. So you ask the question, who's, who's challenging you, Habecker? Who's encouraging you? Well, I want to say I can listen to people younger than me and challenge me. I can listen to people in my family. I listen to my spouse. I listen to my kids. I listen to my grandkids. Why can't I grow because of younger leaders like you speaking into my life and say, how you haven't thought about this? You missed this. Why don't you do this more? Why don't you think about this more? 
So having mentors who will change, even though all your mentors are dying, or you might say are disappearing, there are people all around us that could, you, you are my mentor in, 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 a, in some ways. I mean, you are my mentor, Seth. I need to listen to you. And you are one of mine. And I, I think there's a, there's man in the, in the older, older we get, the less we want to pass the torch. I don't think we see ourselves mentally in that stage because we still feel, you know, you feel more mentally sharp than you may physically feel sharp, you know? And so, or, or you may not recognize kind of the distance that's, that's now between you. Like I work with churches and help with social media. And so as I age, I understand that space less and less because I'm just more and more distant from the cutting edge and the future of what's happening there. So I need people to talk to me about it and help me understand how to do it. Eventually I'm going to have to pass that torch and that's going to be tough, but will I recognize when it's time? And then, you know, my generation, I know for one, the, the younger generations always struggle with accepting authority uh, above us for, you know, having more wisdom on certain things than us. There's, there's got to be a communication that happens there generationally, I think. When, uh, you're uh, exactly with, right. With mentors. It, it's like the older generations need to be proactive in seeking out people to mentor, and younger generations need to be open to, to recognizing how valuable it is and how much they can contribute back. Uh, and I think when they start having that conversation, I think mentorship grows again. I think there's a real deficiency there. You know, it's great insight, Seth. I love it. And, you know, nowhere is this more critical. And, in latter stages in life, when mm -hmm. kids are telling their parents they need to downsize and maybe move and do something different to simplify their lives because of all the changing and the older parents say, I don't want to change. I want to be exactly the way I am. Yeah. And you run into conversations all the time where people are at loggerheads and kids see the importance of their parents having to make changes. And parents resist, older parents resist the encouragement of younger kids to make changes. Otherwise, everybody suffers in a sense in those latter years. Yeah, it's about a conversation, you know, respecting each other's the fact that we live in different worlds. We do like every generation, the world's different for them. And just get you got to understand that and try to help navigate that for them. And, uh, and it's difficult because it doesn't look right to us. You know, the next generation's world doesn't look right. Something's wrong. Everything's weird. You know, just my kids laugh at stuff on, on social media. I'm like, why is that funny? That's not, that's dumb. You know, it's like, I don't get it. And I realized, wow, there's just a different kind of humor they have. You know, it's just, I don't understand it, but helping them navigate through that when I don't understand it is one of the great conundrums of life. And uh, we need mentors to help us do that both directions. You know, let me wrap this up with just some personal names and people who have influenced me and it goes both ways. Uh, Vernon Grounds from Denver Seminary was one of my mentors. You, you know, I think back on that relationship, you know, he loved me as much as I loved him. As a younger man, I brought something to his life. As an older man, he brought something to me that was inescapably important. Howard Hendricks from Dallas Seminary. You know, again, there's a two-way street. You know, I'd sit there as a younger guy and say, why does this guy want to pay attention to me? Well, I've, I've discovered that as an older person, you know, I am energized by younger people around me. Joe Bailey, who hired me to go to work in the Christian Medical Society years ago in 1980, very creative man, uh, meant a great deal to me. But, you know, again, it's a two-way street. 
Haddon Robinson, who taught me about preaching. A businessman here, Ed Yates, you know, impacted my life in deep, deep, profound ways. But it was a two-way street. You know, I loved being with him, and he loved being with me. Keith Sanders, the secretary of the Christian Medical Fellowship, challenged me as a young man, as the head of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. He would say to me, why doesn't the U.S. organization have a physician as its head rather than a pastor? And the more I thought about that, I said, Keith, you're exactly right. And that led to a transition out of CMDA, Christian Medical and Dental Associations, to becoming a pastor. So the mentorship has an impact, but it works both ways, always. Now, the one I have on my list here is, you know, my brother, who is a leader, uh, Gene Habecker. You know, he and I are peers. He He gets after me and I get after him. And of course, I have that in my marriage with Vicky. I mean, we're, we're a team. We work together. And this deal of being a mentor to each other, if you want to, if you don't want to have your influence sustained, <laughs> stop looking for mentors and stop being a mentor. and You'll just fade into the woodwork. And that's what Clinton would say. Uh, you lose a sense of vision for what God wants you to be in the end. So I don't want to stop that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You know, we need this desperately. Um, the, the ideas we've talked about in this podcast today are, are, are living truths. Uh, let's be the people God calls us to be. I think of Psalm 71, 17 and 18. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth and I still declare your wondrous deeds. Even though I'm old and gray, don't forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to all who are to come. You know, every one of us as aging people or younger people like Seth, like you, Seth, we, we have the opportunity to be about God's work in our lives. So support uh, the work of Finishing Well Ministries. Share this podcast with others. Share it with your small group. Share it with your Sunday school class. These are conversations we need to be having, just like Seth and I are having. And support Finishing Well uh, Ministries financially. Pray for us. Encourage us. And I hope to be a strong encouragement to you in terms of just celebrating our value and the work God has entrusted to us in these critically important years. And thanks, Seth, for being a part of this. God bless you, man. My pleasure. You as well. Well, I've enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for this day. And God bless you. And let's keep being the kinds of men and women at whatever our age is that God calls us to be. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Finishing Well podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's conversation to continue living out your God-given purpose. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find us at finishingwellministries.org slash podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Finishing Well Ministries. We'll see you next time.